Welcome back to the Blanket Coverage Podcast. Today, we've got episode 324. We're going to talk about week 16 of the NFL. Uh, We are going to look ahead to week 17. Uh, It is a beautiful December 30th uh, here in Nashville where the Tennessee Vols uh, are going to take home a big win in the Music City Bowl today. Uh, But Jack... First, how was your experience uh, at a Detroit Lions Atlanta Falcons football game in the year 2021? I'm not going to lie to you. It was uh, not the absolute highlight of my year, um, though it was actually a pretty exciting game. Uh, not exciting because of, oh, look how great these teams are, but more exciting because of, oh, God, could we actually lose to the Lions, which the case was no. We did not. And we, of course, we'll get to that once we get around to the Falcons, but um, which we're actually going to have uh, coming up first here. But yeah, Atlanta, um, it, it was a fun time going to the game. Um, obviously, Mercedes-Benz Stadium is a gorgeous, gorgeous stadium to be at. The food prices are comically low. I mean, I got two slices of pizza, popcorn, and a water bottle for under $10 uh, total, which not many stadiums, excluding probably the Ravens. I know they have really good prices, too. So they're not not too many stadiums you could say that. So that was pretty cool. Um, again, I always enjoy going to that stadium. Uh, kind of cool going the day after Christmas, too. But uh, a nice late Christmas present uh, just to say we didn't beat the Lions. But I got to say, Arthur Smith has really been a solid piece for this team. The coaching has been, uh, oddly, not one of the weak points for the Falcons this year. They're 7-2 and two in close games, which was the pretty much exact opposite last year. So even though their team is obviously the roster – is nowhere near the talent of the record. That is a very unusual thing to say about Atlanta sports, um, that statement, especially with the, the Braves have, having their very strange year. We've seen the, the Hawks uh, still, for some reason, the NBA refuses to cancel Hawks games or postpone them, even though we're playing, I think, three NBA players right now. So, But, hey, got to postpone the Heat game. Got to give the Heat some time. But that's a whole other subject. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun going to the game. I always enjoy seeing the Falcons play. My second game in four years, last one, was the uh, the Jay Cutler choke where the Miami Dolphins came back down 17-0 at halftime, uh, which was something to see, all right. And the Falcons sitting at 7-8 and eight this year. Really not a terrible year uh, for them. They've just – there are so many holes on that roster – and this came about because they were trying to run it back and squeeze every ounce of juice out of that Super Bowl run as possible. Uh, but what that ultimately left them with is in cap hell in a lot of ways uh, and with a lot of noticeable holes um, on the roster. But still, it's pretty impressive that uh, they've been 7-8 and eight this year. I know there are a lot of crappy teams in the league this year. Um but seven and eight is nothing to sneeze at. Could finish with a winning record. Well, and even to just to talk about a little more of this Detroit game, uh, first of all, I wanted to say, even though it was a losing effort, I do have to give Amon Ross St. Brown some serious credit here because we haven't really talked about him a lot so far this year. But I really got to give him some solid credit because he has been a player that has performed to a very, very high degree. He has been impressing me a lot this season, and I've just – I. I got to say, I've really, really liked what he's shown us. Um, he had nine receptions. Uh, I think it was 91 yards, one touchdown. He was uh, very, very productive. Uh, Kyle Pitts also was excellent, six receptions, 102 yards. He actually broke the Falcons record for the most receiving yards in a single season by a tight end, beating Tony Gonzalez's record, which 
uh, yeah, again, Kyle Pitts still a rookie and broke that record for the Falcons. So uh, it's safe to say he's on an excellent pace as a tight end uh, for Atlanta. And yeah, I'm still happy we picked him. I still think that was the right choice. Pitts has clearly proven that this season. He has had the greatest rookie tight end season in Falcons history and probably one of the best receiver seasons in Falcons history with the exception of a few Julio years. But um, yeah, the fact that he's able to almost get a thousand yards is ridiculous. So knowing what you know now, would you have gone for one of the rookie quarterbacks in last year's draft over Kyle Pitts? Uh, no. Are there any because... of the rookie quarterbacks that you would have taken it for? And obviously Wilson and Lawrence excluded because they weren't available. Honestly, I wouldn't have because I think that Pitts is going to be a generational talent, and I don't see any other quarterbacks being that level at this point. Which it could be, we don't know, but like you, you really can't have asked for more from Kyle Pitts, and I mean, you really can't. And so, I get that the Falcons have fewer receivers to work with. I get Calvin Ridley barely played this year, so I understand that there was less attention there, but it still is ridiculously impressive what he's been able to do, and I. I, I'm still sticking by that pick, and we'll see what happens with Matt Ryan because pretty obviously his contract either needs to be restructured or he needs to be traded. There needs to be some kind of mix with that, which I think there will be. There'll be a situation resolving that. Um, not as bad as the Saints, though, who are projected to be in negative $60 million in cap space next year, which is uh, lovely to see. But it's still pretty rough in Atlanta, clearly, with that. But uh, the game actually ended with Oluwakin getting a clutch interception to clinch the W. Uh, Cordero Patterson scores again. Um, as he always does, though he didn't really do a lot in this game, actually. <laughs> yeah, he did score again, um, yes, but wasn't exactly an ideal game for um, for the Falcons, at least defensively. And then uh, good old Tim Boyle was the quarterback with Jared Goff still being out with COVID, and he actually played not a bad game. I know his stats aren't I the best in this game, but he, he really didn't. And part of it is the fact that the Falcons let literally any quarterback play a good game. We always do that, but – but genuinely watching him play, they did have a game plan very structured for him. It was a very run-heavy game. I mean, Jamal Williams had 19 carries, and he was not the only guy touching the ball. Like they, It was still a very run-heavy game for Detroit. A lot of those passing attempts came late in the game when Detroit still had a chance. But um, the funniest thing is the Falcons actually had this game wrapped up when they stopped Detroit, and then two plays later, within their own 30-yard line, Russell Gage fumbled it at like a 30, and Detroit got the ball back with like 30 yards to go for the win with like two minutes. And we were like, okay. <laughs> and everyone in the stadium was just about to like leave. And then of course Detroit ended up through the, through the inception and lost. But um, yeah, the Falcons 100% uh, almost choked this game away. In fact, with 44 seconds to go, uh, the Lions had two to one odds to win the game. So it was like, it was pretty likely the Falcons were going to blow it, but uh, they came back and got the big win, of course, with the interception. So uh, pretty hilarious game. Um, I do hope the Falcons have a better luck next week, uh, which is against the Buffalo Bills, which I will be there. I have my tickets bought. I am going to be in Buffalo for that, which is going to be interesting. It's um, it's supposed to snow all morning and then snow throughout the game a little bit and kind of taper off as the day goes on. So it'll be clear by night um, or really even late afternoon. So it should be safe getting back home. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. Hopefully I don't freeze myself to death. But – but, yeah, happy to see the Falcons uh, get some good wins here. But we can now go and talk about two teams that matter a whole lot more than the Lions and the Falcons, and that's the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals. And what was this game? <laughs> what in the world was Joe Burrow on here? This was an unbelievable performance. 
525 yards, four touchdowns. That yardage count is good for the fourth most ever in a single game of football since we started playing the NFL almost, uh, I guess, over 100 years ago. So Joe Burrow has become one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL over these last couple of years, and I really think that he could be a really dominant force over the next decade. Yeah, and it's it's not an every game thing with him. You know, we've seen him no, struggle no. with interceptions. We've seen him struggle uh, at times to get that yardage count up and really take off chunks against some good defenses. And obviously, the Ravens losing a lot of guys, uh, specifically in their secondary, does not help whatsoever. Uh, losing a guy like um, Marlon Humphrey uh, is certainly a really big deal, and we talked about that beforehand. But what I'm getting to here is that for every fan base that has to face Joe Burrow, for every coach that has to face Joe Burrow, for every defender, there's always the thought in the back of your head that Joe Burrow is capable of this, that he's done this everywhere he goes. He's done this in high school. He's done this in college. And now he's done this in the NFL. Um there is always the potential for Joe Burrow to just turn it on, figure you out because he is so sharp uh, between the ears and just absolutely carve you up like he did the Ravens, who are a well-coached team and a well-coached defense. Uh, you know, you don't expect to see this out of well-coached defenses. Uh, now, again, they, was, they lost a lot of players, but you really don't expect to see that. Um, really impressed with what I've seen from Joe Burrow this year. Couldn't really ask for more uh, from a quarterback in their second year. Now we'll see if it translates to any playoff success. If this team can string together a little run here. Well, he's sixth in passing yards tied for seventh in passing touchdowns and 13th in QBR. His interception rate is uh, not the best, but really not that bad. It's 30 to 14. And he's been getting better every game in the last three weeks after that Chargers blowout loss and, of course, delivered uh, almost exactly the same kind of blowout. In fact, was only one point off of being the exact same score. But, yeah, it's been a very productive last few weeks. Joe Burrow has been playing like one of the best quarterbacks uh, with this game. He hasn't thrown an interception in now three games. Um, his last one was against the Chargers, but, again, didn't play exactly the best, but ended up pulling out. Uh, pretty solid win. So he gets sacked a lot in these games, actually. In his last four games, he has been sacked, uh, I think it is 17 times in his last four games. So um, that offensive line is still not great, which we knew the offensive line for Cincinnati wasn't going to be elite this year. But the fact that he is top seven in yards and touchdowns, and he has Joe Mixon, a very elite running back that's gotten great numbers this year and has played pretty much the whole year healthy, and an O-line that's not good, the fact that he's putting up these numbers. So that's what's more impressive to me is that he doesn't have that much help on the line end, and he's getting attention taken away from the running back end, and he's still putting up numbers that are monsters. So that, to me, is the most impressive part is that it isn't like he – like Josh Allen, not to harp on Josh Allen, but like obviously that their game is so heavy with the passing game, so he's going to put up more because that's how it's at least built. But with Joe Burrow – that's not as much the case with the Bengals. So I almost find it almost more impressive. And now these are flawed stats to a certain extent, but I did want to point out, um, I, I was on looking at, uh, at the um, NFL advanced passing stats. So Joe Burrow is 
29th in the league in bad throws. Now, again, I say this is a bad flaw, or not a bad flaw, but a flawed statistic because, I mean, it's Joe Burrow, Tua, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jalen Hurts, Davis Mills, Kyler Murray, Justin Fields um, is kind of the range that we're looking at there for quarterbacks. And Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes are numbers one and three, but they can do those sort of things. They can make the quote-unquote bad throws because they are so accurate um, because they've been around for so long and they're just so, so good uh, in the pocket and uh, they have the receivers that can get up and make those catches. Uh, Joe Burrow is not making bad throws. He is 29th in the league um, in such throws uh, in, in terms of ranking, last in the league in terms of a percentage, and he's at 10, 10.9% of bad throw percentage. Uh, Zach Wilson leads the league with 23.7. Uh, the next lowest up from Joe Burrow is Jimmy G., uh, sitting at 13%. So that's two full percentage points um, that he is leading the league in terms of uh, not throwing bad balls. To One bat, last note about them. Oh, sorry. To bat, he's first in on-target percentage. He is throwing the ball very much on target, very accurate, um, and he's re- he's going to be an elite quarterback. I think that's what we're seeing now in the conclusion that we're drawing from all this uh, is that the raw numbers tell you he's going to be elite. The uh, advanced numbers tell you that he's going to be elite. One of these days, uh, we're going to have Joe Burrow in the same conversation as Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Josh Allen and all those guys. Uh, last note I wanted to put about this game just to shout it out, but uh, I do want to shout out especially here the performance of Higgins because he had an absolutely ridiculous game here, almost 200 yards, two touchdowns for T. Higgins, a guy that's thought of as um, not, never really thought of actually as the first option here. Of course, Jamar Chase gets a, a ton of the attention as he should, but Higgins put up a really, really solid game here, one of his best, in fact, I think it may be the best of his entire career. Um, so really great work from him. Next up, we have a game that is a battle of two pretty decent, uh, but also a little bit shaky NFC teams. And that's the LA Rams against the Minnesota Vikings. And at least it depends when in the season you're talking about, because the Vikings have been very inconsistent throughout the whole season. The Rams had a stretch of inconsistency, but have pretty much found their stride now. Now, I'm still very concerned about this game, because if you want to talk about, I know we do our players and teams of the week uh, at the end, but... If you want to talk about your question mark of the week or your, I guess, like, what was that moment of the week? It's going to be the Rams putting up 30 points, beating the Vikings, and Matthew Stafford having a horrible game. That, to me, was quite odd. And I get that Sony Michelle helped a lot on the ground in this game. Cooper Cup still did his job. But Stafford didn't break 300 yards. He had 16 incompletions, only one touchdown, and three picks, which also how in the world the Minnesota – not find a way to win this game when Stafford played that poorly, but very bizarre game from Matthew Stafford. I actually started him in fantasy in this game, uh, which really hurt me. So that was, thank you for that Stafford. I actually benched, um, I benched Josh Allen for staff uh, for Stafford in this game only because oh. of matchups. Cause I'm at, he was actually projected one higher because um, Allen's matchup was really tough. Turns out that one wasn't a problem. So uh, I wouldn't have won in the fantasy anyway that week. So it ended up not mattering, but um 
just disappointing to see. But yeah, Stafford was terrible in this game, but it really didn't matter. Uh, Justin Jefferson was great for the Vikings. Um, Madison didn't really do much on the ground, and Kirk Cousins had an okay game. But I guess main takeaway from this is that the Rams have just found ways to win. Even if things have gone wrong, even if they haven't shown up the best, they have simply just found ways to win. Even if they lost three in a row um, a little while back, they've then rattled off another four in a row, and I get only one of those four was against a playoff team at the moment. But um, that still has been a huge four games in a row. And all I got left is at Baltimore and against the Niners, two pretty tough teams against both playoff teams. Look, I think the Rams are a really talented team, but the Matt Stafford thing, it's not what you thought it was going to be, is it? (laughs) This has gone really downhill at certain points in time. This team is so talented that they're winning anyways. Um, And I think Odell Beckham is actually really a net positive for this, for the Rams. Um, The fact that he wasn't doing much in Cleveland, he was more of a distraction than anything. And now he's actually getting, putting up some production, um, especially in the red zone in LA is, is certainly a good sign for the Rams, but if Matt Stafford's play is going to be this inconsistent, there's always the notion that against a good team in the playoffs, um, and we've seen it against some good teams this year, we've also seen it the other direction, and that's where the inconsistency comes from. But eventually, uh, sort of like Carson Wentz, where Carson Wentz skews uh, bad, but will occasionally make some really great plays. Matt Stafford, I think, skews good, but occasionally makes – uh, some really bad plays and um, puts up a lot of stinkers. But in the playoffs, at some point, it's going to come down to can Matt Stafford uh, avoid having another one of these performances? And I don't know that that's the case because of his lack of playoff experience, because they're probably not going to be the number one seed. Yeah, and that's going to be a, a big reason that this team could could be held down. Again, you're saying the inconsistency is really hurting this team. I know that's what um, the same thing with the whole team unit of Minnesota versus just the quarterback and the Rams. But um, but I still think they have good odds here. They do need to pull out the division win to help them a lot. They did clinch playoffs. Uh, Cardinals have also clinched playoffs. Um, so both those teams are at the minimum going to be in the postseason no matter what. So, uh, again, the Rams 11-4, and solid season. Vikings lost really hurt them here. Um, Vikings odds the playoffs go down to 10%. They were at 29% before this game. Uh, next, we have Buffalo up against New England in a battle of the Northern teams. This was up in New England in Foxborough, and uh, it got a little heated up there with how Josh uh, Allen was playing in this game. A fantastic road win, a really, really big signature statement for the Bills, a team that have been a little bit going up and down since they've had a solid start. Um, I know the Panthers win was big last week, but then they had two losses before that to both again, the Pats and to the Bucks, And they really needed to come back and get a big win. And Isaiah McKenzie was massive in this game, 11 receptions, 125 yards and a touchdown. And Mac Jones was horrible. He was so bad in this game, 145 yards passing two interceptions, no scores, but Damian Harris was electric on the ground. And really the only reason that the Pats were even in this game at all, but yeah, this was a really impressive game for Buffalo. They were missing a bunch of guys, but Josh Allen did what he did best and stepped up at a big moment here and was really, really impressive. So 
I got to say big shout out to the Bills for getting a huge, huge win here. Well, with that win, they're moving uh, closer and closer to clinching the division. It's now within their hands. Um, so Bills winning out would clinch it. Uh, Bills currently have a 98% chance to make the playoffs and an 89% chance of taking the division. And yes, if they win out, which is against the Falcons and the Jets, <laughs> which shouldn't be too difficult, but if they do win out, they will clinch both uh, pretty easily. So uh, do we believe, is it an overreaction or is it an underreaction that the Bills are a Super Bowl caliber team? Because I think we can say at this point that the Patriots are no longer that. I think it's 100% um, a fair point to make. Uh, if they can jump out on top of a team and if they can stay on top of a team like this, uh, if there's a team that really figures out how to shut down uh, the Josh Allen quarterback run game and limit their passing game, especially in the red zone, I could see where this team is going to struggle. Uh but I think my main takeaway from this game was, one, the Bills are very much not dead. They've been missing a lot of guys. They had some mid, they had a little midseason slump, but they're getting back into it, and they're capable of doing this to any team, as we've seen all year. Um, the Patriots, it was a nice run. Um, I think we saw in this game a preview of what's going to happen to Mac Jones in the playoffs which is that at some point you're going to have to throw the ball. You're going to have to chuck it up for big yards downfield. And I've actually been more impressed with Mac Jones the more I watch the more I watch him. I don't think he's incapable of throwing the ball downfield. I don't think they have the personnel to do it and I don't think that their uh, scheme warrants that very much if they have to get back into a game if they have to go shot for shot with the team that's going to put up 30 points um, and has a good enough defense to do something about the Patriots offense I think we're going to see a very similar performance where they just don't have enough juice down the stretch to keep up with some of these more high-powered offenses yeah and that's um that's one of the biggest points about how this team can operate because the Bills have been such a back-and-forth team and they need to keep carrying that momentum through. Because, again, you have two games that are against two very bad teams have, that have almost nothing to play for. Jets have nothing to play for. Falcons, actually, um, they do have a uh, not-impossible route to the playoffs, which is kind of insane to think about. But the Falcons are actually not done yet, and there is a fairly feasible way they get in. Um, obviously, a lot of things have to go their way, but um, – Bill's still still the clear favorite to pull things out and to take a solid seat going into the playoffs. Next up, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars going up against the new, uh, well, we can just say New Jersey Jets. And yeah, this um, this this was this was a horrible horrible uh, thing to watch, which we all knew it was going to be, but we both got it right because I was going with the Jets and you switched your pick from the Jags to the Jets uh, during the episode and we nailed it. Jets got the win here um, simply because I thought it was impossible that the Jaguars were competent enough to do anything. And it ended up being true. Um, also didn't help that James Robinson got injured and was out for the game, which was, and now the season, which was awesome because I had him on my fantasy team and that helped me nothing. Um, but yeah, very bizarre game that the first two touchdowns here were a, uh, um, I guess first three touchdowns are very strange. Zach Wilson, 52 yard run, which was strange. The PAT was blocked 
which was strange. Uh, Zero-yard fumble recovery with a failed two-point conversion for the Jags, which was strange. And then a 102-yard kickoff return for the Jets. So I, <laughs> this was a very weird game, which we knew it was going to be. Uh, that was a 13-9 score. Uh, Jags cashing a field goal uh, before the half ended. Um, and then the rest of the game was was really not much, just short field goals and one-yard touchdowns uh, until the end. But, um, but the Jaguars almost won this game, too. They actually were very, very close to pulling this off. It was fourth and goal, um, and it was down by five uh, at the at the buzzer, and the Jags could not pull it off. So the Jaguars almost won this game, very close game. Besides the fact that it was just bad football, this was quite an exciting back-and-forth matchup. It was uh, what we thought it was going to be between two teams that are pretty bad here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're seeing the Jets and Jags just sort of be the Jets and Jags. I'm not really sure what else there is to say about this. Uh Zach Wilson at least scored more than Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence just can't seem to throw a touchdown pass for some reason. But, I mean, he threw for 280 yards and his percentage was okay, but he just can't throw a touchdown. I think this is more of a – I think this year uh, more specifically is more of an indictment um, on the Jags offense and on Urban Meyer and this coaching staff than it is of Trevor Lawrence. They're absolutely failing him. He has all the tools to succeed in the whole world. Uh, they are failing him. Um, that being said, we don't need to talk much about this game, but can we acknowledge uh, Zach Barry Sanders Wilson? Yeah, that run actually was incredible. I'll, I'll, I will that. That I'll run was that. electric. He juked out like three guys. That was pretty I didn't awesome. know Zach Wilson had the juice like that. I'm um, not going to lie to you. That was I think pretty cool. this is – I think this might become like a uh, Daniel Jones situation where we're all the, just like, this guy sucks as a passer, but oh, look, he's got a little su- element of surprise in the run game, huh? I mean, it's pretty cool. I'll give him that. I mean, you always want to see players succeed, especially young rookies. Like, a lot of the time we don't think some of them will, but, like, I always want them to. They're still just guys out there playing the game they love. So, I mean, I want we, – we, we, we're not trying to – dog players on for not being great i know we talked a, a good amount of smack of some of these guys but simply because some of them just weren't very good so i think that's good that he's playing up to Morris potential and really showing that he can have a, a solid run here but again it's really hard to play really well with barely any help i mean we saw joe burrow didn't really do a ton last season before his injury but since then you got a guy like jamar chase you've had tiggins that was there at offensive line a defense that got him i mean you need the pieces and i get quarterbacks can be as good as they are but like we've said before if you put Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady on a truly god-awful team, that team's going to get a lot better, but they're not just automatically going to become great. I mean, Brady didn't win the Super Bowl by himself, and neither did any other quarterback. So you need a lot of help to become a truly legendary guy. But um, it's at least impressive that Wilson is showing a little bit more promise later in the season when he had a pretty bad start to start things out. Uh, Next up, we have another game that was very painful to watch, and this was the New York Giants up against – the Philadelphia 76 or 76ers, uh, Philadelphia uh, Eagles might as well have been the 76ers. But um, yeah, if I didn't have a headache already, this would be just uh, making it pound even more uh, looking at this game. But again, being at the Falcons game, like I mentioned uh, in jest last time, I wouldn't have to watch this, which was the case. But uh, yeah, this was an absolute blowout. We both had absolutely no faith in the Giants in this game, and we were both correct on that end. Uh, this was not a very close game at all, 34 to 10. And uh, the last touchdown was simply a garbage time one that meant nothing. So really it was 34 to three uh, pick six by the Eagles to close things out. This was a pretty, 
done and done game. Uh, Hertz played pretty well, getting almost 200 yards and two touchdowns. Devonta Smith had a great game, actually. Probably was the top performer of the day. Uh, Saquon Barkley just sort of doesn't do anything anymore. Uh, 15 carries, 32 yards from Saquon Barkley. So, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Looks like he we did, may have seen. Has, uh, he has no explosiveness since his injury. I mean, I he, just, it's. Maybe we'll see it at some point, but my gut tells me that we may have. It may be the injury is for Saquon. Uh, and that's really sad because he was so fun to watch pre injury. Well, just cursed of the Giants, sadly. Uh, Mike Glennon was a very yeah. Mike Glennon today. Uh, very Mike Glennon. Um, 17 for 27, 93 yards, touchdown and a pick. And Neck just you, looking as well, giraffish as ever. What, what did we think was going to happen? It's Mike Glennon. I mean, it's, I'm sorry, but like, what, what did we think was going to happen? Um, and, and one of the reactions that I got to this game was, well, I, I should say I saw to this game was that, are the Eagles a team that you don't want to see in the playoffs? Because, you know, they can run the ball. They're well, good along the lines of scrimmage. Well, they got a lot of veterans. And my reaction to, and my reaction to that was, that. <laughs> absolutely I want to see Jalen Hurts in the playoffs. Are you kidding me? I don't want to see the Eagles in the playoffs because they're the Philadelphia Eagles. But I would like to see them purely out of, like, the player sense. I just mean like the team. Like I'm never gonna be like, oh boy. Yeah, I, yeah, no, sure no. I'm, I'm talking Eagles. about if you, if your <laughs> team has to play the Eagles in the playoffs. Do you want to see the Eagles? If you're say L.A. or Arizona, I say absolutely. Did, yes, I oh, want yeah, the I'm Eagles saying, ten times out of ten. Yes, I was like out of everyone in the NFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, anytime you have a, in, we're talking about an NFC East runner up here. That's yeah. the NFC East it's runner not, up. It's not hard to do. <laughs> no, it, it is not difficult. So I, I, I would be pretty confident playing against this team. But no, I don't think they're incompetent. But again, I mean, it's not the most difficult thing to beat the Giants. So like with you don't that want win, to see the Sun Belt runner up in the bowl game. <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, with this win, the Giants are mercifully eliminated. The Eagles have put themselves in really good position to make the playoffs. It. It's actually kind of amazing that in Week 16, uh, entering Week 16, uh, the Giants were not done yet. And I uh, was we surprised too. Oh, sorry. I, well, I I just wanted I just wanted to know. Um, I was watching Red Zone, and you know the Giants are terrible when Red Zone barely shows the Giants game, and they love showing the Giants. Game. And they <laughs> love the Giants. I think they might like the Giants more than any Giants fan in America. I think Scott Hansen just like wakes up in the morning and pisses blue and whatever <laughs> red. I don't know what their colors technically are. They're White giants. Too. They're irrelevant. You're an irrelevant yes. franchise. Despite being in New York, which seems to be the case for a bunch of New York teams, uh, hilariously enough. We can now look at um, Tom Brady choked twice. Which still counts, and we still do appreciate them for that. We now move down south to a game that, uh, again, was one we predicted would be a very clean, cut, and dry game that would not be interesting to watch, and we were right. Uh, 32-6. to six. This was really ugly. Um, Antonio Brown had a really impressive game, 10 receptions for one-on-one yards. Uh, Vaughn did great on the ground for Tampa Bay with 70 yards and a touchdown. And, yeah, this game was one that we never, never really had much in doubt. I know the Panthers had take a lead early and still were actually in it uh, with about three minutes to go in the half, 10 to six. 
And yeah, that was the end of that. Uh, Brady uh, got the job done. Didn't really have um, that incredible of a day, but didn't really need to. He just sort of had a decent, all right day. Um, Cam Newton led the Panthers in rushing yards, but Sam Darnold led in passing yards. So that's a little bit of an odd stat. Uh, Darnold is conferred to be the starter for next week, but really who cares because the Panthers are out anyway. Um, and uh, this actually, this game did officially eliminate them at ten, uh, 5 and 10. The Panthers had a miserable season, and I kind of saw that coming. I did not think the Panthers were going to do anything this season, even though that was long before we, we heard about Cam Newton coming back. Even with that, I was still like, I had very little faith in the Panthers. I was pretty confident that despite their shortcomings, the Falcons would finish above them, and it looks like that is nearly all but wrapped up. So, um, yeah, Carolina, nothing really of note here. Uh Bucks end up getting the easy win. I'm pretty sure that win won the division. Maybe that was last week. Either way, the division is won. The Bucks actually still have a chance to get the number one seed uh, from the Packers, though those odds are amazingly low. Um, but there still is a way they could do it. Uh, the Packers have to lose out, and the Bucks have to win out. Um, and then even with all that, the Bucks would then uh, they would need the Rams to lose one of their last two. So technically there's still a chance the Bucks get the one seat, but it's pretty much not going to happen. Um, but yeah, this game didn't really tell us that much except the Panthers need a lot of help. I mean, if you're Matt rule, you got to be banging your head against the wall, right? <laughs> like, just watch it. Just turning Ooh, on the tape of boy. your offense. Obviously McCaffrey's hurt. That does not help anything, but they wouldn't you have won this fired game, your right? offensive coordinator. That doesn't help anything. <laughs> But just turning on the tape and you've got to watch a combination, not even just one, you've got to watch a combination of Cam Newton and Sam Darnold. I mean, I would just, I would have the world's largest bruise on my forehead just from constantly banging my head against the wall. Like, what do you so do with you that team? What do you what do you, what's going to happen with Joe Brady things? We know he's been fired for a few games now. I mean, they lost three games since his firing, but what's going to happen with him? That's my question. I think he goes back to college somewhere, um, or maybe he, somebody's got to hire him. I mean, right? Or maybe go the coordinator route. Uh, you know, again in the NFL, um, I think he's going to have a lot of really lucrative, especially after these bowl games as assistants start to move on uh, to other jobs and the coaching carousel continues to turn. Uh, I think he could land a really solid assistant job in college football with all the places uh, that need guys like him uh, on the staff. I think he could be a hot commodity and make a ton of money, uh, probably more money um, in college yeah. than in the NFL. Uh, so that's what I see him doing next personally. Uh, but we can move on to, oh my goodness, what happened here? And I like how on your notes for this, you just had a bullet point with question marks. <laughs> this Okay, but I was kind of mad about this What the hell happened here? No, no, no. Yeah. I was mad about this game because my record before this game happened was really good. I was having a great week. And that's why I was annoyed at it because I was getting a lot of picks really right. And I was like, yeah. We're going to have a great week. And then this game happened. And I was like, what's wrong with you? I got the Detroit-Atlanta game right. Baltimore-Cincy, LA-Minnesota, Buffalo-New England, Jacksonville-New York, New York-Philly, and Tampa Carolina. Seven in a row, which we both got, actually. We both agreed on this. And then LA had to lose. And I was like, are you kidding me? And it was just, it was depressing. 
It made me sad. And I don't like to feel sad. But unfortunately, the Chargers love making me feel sad because that's what happened today. Rex Burkhead had literally the game of his life. Two touchdowns over 100 yards was genuinely really good. Justin Jackson was great. I started him in most of my fantasy leagues, and he helped me a lot. Um, I also traded um, Justin Jackson and um, Darnell Mooney with a guy to get uh, Jamar Chase. So that was a good trade I made last week. Um which I'm now wondering why he made that trade, given that <laughs> it's not the final weekend. Uh, and yeah. Jackson is back in a minor role, and Darnell Mooney is solid, but obviously no Jamar Chase. So uh, that ended up being kind of funny. Uh, Davis Mills. Okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and a limb here. Davis Mills is one of the best rookie quarterbacks we got this year. He's genuinely impressed me a lot more than the other ones have. And he's got nothing to work with. Like, seriously, like nobody gave this kid a chance. And Davis Mills has put up some of the best games we've seen from any rookies this season. Like, he was great in this game. Like, 21 for 27, 254 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He's been really impressive. Sometimes sometimes I think it can actually be to a quarterback's advantage. Um, uh, Sometimes. I'm not – don't hear me saying this is a blanket thing. Sometimes it can actually be to a uh, quarterback's advantage to go to a team where – They've got some veterans. You've got Brandon Cooks in that offense. You've got Chris Conley. These are guys who have caught passes for years in the NFL. Brandon Cooks doing it really consistently. Um, So the Texans are not as – I don't want to say as bad because as a team, you know, overall, they're really, really bad. But I guess the roster is not quite as depleted – um, in practice as it is in theory. Because, you know, I you look give at, them, oh, like, Rex Burkhead is Kirk. Re- Rex Burkhead is Kirk. Brandon Cooks is washed. Like, you look at all these guys that, uh, you know, they haven't been the biggest stars, but I equate their offense a little bit, uh, and they've got Laramie Tunsil in there too. You forget about him. So I equate I, their I just... offense a little bit to Cincinnati's defense. In that, on paper, you looked at the Cincinnati defense, and Trey Hendrickson has been a revelation for them. He's been um, an elite-level player. But other than that, you've got guys who were considered mainly second fiddle uh, and, and kind of castaways on a lot of other rosters, and they've come together to be a pretty good unit this year. Um, now, I don't think the Houston offense is as good as the Cincy defense in the overall context of the league, but – um, that that's probably a little bit of an explanation for why Davis Mills, despite as chaotic and as rudderless as this franchise may seem, he's able to come in and have a little bit of success there. I, I do have to, to point out as well with this game that Houston also had a good amount of players out. Remember, we talked about Fairburn and Cooks were out for this game, uh, two of their best players, and Houston still found a way to win. So need to give them big credit. I also started Justin Herbert and the Chargers defense in a fantasy league uh, this week. So thanks a lot, LA, for doing that. Um, well, I bet another... on the Chargers. Oh, no, yes. I bet on the under in this game. I thought this was going to be Ooh. one of those ugly Chargers games. No. <laughs> 38 points total in the fourth quarter. Now, the Chargers, the Chargers to, their, to their credit, the Chargers were missing a lot of guys. No Mike but Williams, Jackson... no Jalen Guyton, no Rashawn Eckler, Eckler, I don't think, really mattered, though. His law Jackson had a really good game. He had like a hundred yards receiving. No, the, you can't yeah, give up forty-one to the Texans, and that's no, you the bottom ever. line. 
but they did, which is still funny for our entertainment. Speaking we now have uh, 40 piece, yeah, South Carolina. We now have uh, in this game. We have uh, Chicago and Seattle, a battle of the – and uh, this was pretty much summed that up. Uh, two teams that were basically irrelevant playoff-wise. Um, this game is actually completely meaningless um, to, uh, to Chicago as they were already out of the playoffs. But now Seattle is out of the playoffs. Unbelievable. They have been going to the playoffs for over a decade straight. We've seen Seattle in the postseason or at least with a winning record. And somehow – Somehow that is no longer the case, and Chicago did it. You beat the Seahawks, you did it, but it meant nothing because Chicago is still out of it, and that's just one more spot they're up from. But, uh, yeah, this game we both agreed Seattle was going to win. We both were sadly wrong. Um, But this was just a strange game. Russell Wilson uh, just sort of was okay, Uh, only got 181 passing yards, uh, but Rashad Penny did great on the ground with 135 yards rushing. Uh, Montgomery was all right, being kind of a workhorse. His yards per play was pretty god-awful, 21 carries for 45 yards, but did get in the end zone. And he also got 61 receiving yards, so not too bad for Montgomery. And Nick Foles was pretty solid as well. Uh, But, yeah, the fact that Seattle lost this game, let's just talk about that. Seattle had a 96% chance to win with four minutes to go. Seattle had a 93% chance to win with one minute, 13 seconds to go. Seattle had, what was it, uh, with 113 to go. Uh, let's just look back at the play-by-play. Because, again, this game ending was insane. I was actually in the parking lot uh, getting out of the Falcons game, watching this on my phone, just utterly floored that this game even happened. Because Seattle also, got the we ball should back. mention that it was just snowstorm. Oh, yeah, this game was very bizarre. Yeah, I know, obviously, everyone's been hearing about all the uh, insanity going on out west with the uh, very, very intense snowstorm. So, of course, we're... Uh, keeping everyone in our thoughts and prayers out there because we know that's been a very dangerous situation, especially in Sierra, California, um, and up north, even to Seattle, where snowstorms, I mean, it snowed like, I think it's like six, seven feet in California. I mean, it's gotten just insane numbers. So um, we're hoping everyone there is right uh, now. out there. Well, <laughs> I, wanna, I mean, I want to be on the slopes. I just, I want to make sure all the houses and people are all right too. Cause I mean, it's like, it's damaging stuff out there. So we hope everyone's fine. Uh, but, um, but I would love to, to possibly ski there. It would be kind of neat. Uh, but, yeah, Seattle got the ball back with five minutes to go, took the clock down to three minutes, only got five yards but got off a lot of time. And then Chicago, 30-yard pass on the first play and roughing the passer. Play number one. 10-yard <laughs> pass, now you're down to the Seattle 25. 14-yard pass, now you're down to the 11. Two-minute warning. Foles is sacked. And it's actually a fumble, but Chicago gets the ball back. Incomplete pass, and you're now down to one minute to go. Third and 14, 15-yard touchdown to Jimmy Graham is good. Two-point attempt is also good. So all of a sudden, Chicago leads. Seattle gets the ball back. Four-yard catch. Then three-yard play, which is just very strange. Uh, But then there's holding. Timeout number two by Chicago. Second and 16 with 42 seconds to go. Incomplete pass, then a 15-yard pass, so it's fourth and one. And then they have a false start on a fourth and one. Seattle, a false start, which is an unbelievable penalty. And um, it's a four-yard scramble, um, which, of course, is going to turn it over on downs. But you then get um, off- offensive and defensive holding. So then you get a second chance, and you already, again, ran out of bounds before lo- the, the first down lines. So you already screwed yourself, but they let you do it again. And then it's pass incomplete to Tyler Lockett. It's nowhere close. 
and that ends the Seattle Seahawks uh, season. Basically, I know they have another game or two, but I mean, basically ends the season with no chance of playoffs. So what a game. Uh, Seattle really blew this game pretty badly. This should have been a wrapped up win. It's kind of incredible they lost this. But um, yeah, if you can't beat the Bears at home, I get it's a snow game. But if you can't beat the Bears at home, you should not be going to the playoffs. And so this was a pretty sad, sad game from Seattle. Uh, how far the mighty have fallen since the old Seattle days. So, yeah, this was uh, this was not too impressive. I did not uh, have a lot of um, high hopes for the Seahawks. And I know I, I know I went really back and forth on this game as far as the pick went. Obviously, went in the wrong direction um, at at the end there, uh, but. If I would have known that Andy Dalton was out and Nick Foles was starting, I think I would have bet on Chicago. I trust well, you really Foles. back and forth. You're very bad. I and trust forth Nick Foles way more than I trust uh, Andy Dalton. I'm not exactly shocked the surprise given how bad Seattle's been this year. Uh, and true. they've been hit by COVID as well pretty hard. Um, but I mean, props to Nick Foles. Only completed three passes past the 10. Past ten yards, but oh lord! By God, getting the, just chewing up those yards. He had more passes completed behind the line of scrimmage than past five yards. So that's about right. We uh, we now can go to um, the Pittsburgh up against Kansas City, and honestly, this game probably won't take very long to talk about because this was uh, pretty straight up. So uh, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey did not play the week before. Uh, Kelsey was still out for this game, uh, but Hill came back in. But honestly, didn't really do very much because Byron Pringle ended up hauling in two touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes played a great game. Ben Roethlisberger played a bad game, and that was pretty much how it went in Kansas City. 36-10, to 10, this was a nothing game. It was 23 to nothing at halftime, 30 to nothing before Pittsburgh scored anything, and their final touchdown was a garbage-time score. This game was actually pretty similar uh, to the Giant, uh, Giants-Eagles in terms of scoring. Um and, yeah, this was a really big blowout game. Kansas City has 100% found their stride. They are looking great. Six years in a row, Kansas City is the AFC West champion. So really incredible work here from them. They are the, by far the favorite right now, pretty heavy favorite uh, to win the first round by. Titans are second um, on that pecking order. But really, really, really solid work. Uh, if the Chiefs win this weekend – they will eliminate the very, very slim odds the Patriots or Bills will have to get that one seed, and uh, the Titans will only have a 9% chance. Um, again, like I mentioned, if the Titans lose and Chiefs win, they do clinch the first round by. So um, really, really big work by KC here. I I just don't have a ton to add to it because we've been talking about the Chiefs improving, and they just keep improving. They look great. And I'm really, really impressed with the coaching staff. Um Really impressed with Andy Reid for the way he's gotten his team to buy back in um, after a tough start to the season. Really just exceptionally impressed with uh, Steve Spagnuolo and the way that he's revamped this defense. Um, it's been really impressive to watch. Obviously, the Chiefs are back. They are back to the Death Star mode uh, that we were talking about all last year that people thought they were going to be before the season. Um, and suddenly my under 12 and a half wins is very much in jeopardy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. But um, yeah, was, mentioning... It was looking great. It was looking great for a while. Now it's it in jeopardy. But you were mentioning Death Star, 
And if you want to talk about Death Star, we can go to the Death Star in Las Vegas, the nickname for the Allegiant Stadium out there in the desert where the Vegas Raiders held on for the win, which neither of us saw this coming. Um, Yeah, both these teams have been amazingly difficult to watch. Uh, uh, Williams, (laughs) Javante Williams got a touchdown, and I was really happy, but then he got 12 yards on seven carries, and I was like, what are you doing? So that wasn't really great. But uh, Moreau, I started in place of Waller, which I thought was going to be helpful. He did lead the day for Vegas in receiving yards, but he only got 67 and no scores. So that wasn't great. Uh, Hunter Renfro scored again. He has had such a good season. Um, and, yeah, Denver should have won this game uh, even after that opening score, uh, which, again, came in the second quarter. No first quarter points. Uh, Denver scored uh, three different times in a row. McManus nailing two really long field goals. And it was 13-7, but then a touchdown in the third quarter and a field goal in the fourth sealed up the win for Vegas. And by some way, neither of these teams are eliminated. Neither. They They both still have a chance. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the odds are very low. The Broncos need, like, okay, so. This is like when we were saying that Pitt could still make the college football playoff. Okay, okay. So here's here's the situation, though. The Broncos have to win out. The Raiders have to lose out. Baltimore has to lose out. Miami has to lose to two or three of their final three games. And Cincinnati has to beat Cleveland in week 18. And Pittsburgh has to lose to Cleveland this week. <laughs> and then they're in. <laughs> so I know uh, I just did the math on that because I thought it'd be funny to just see like what possible scenario could happen to get the Broncos to the playoffs. But shockingly, it is still possible. So, um, I mean, obviously it's not going to happen, but uh, it's still fun to look at those. Uh, Raiders have a much easier path. Um, at 18%, which you could say, why is that easier? Well, it's 18 times more likely than what the Broncos have to happen, um, if not more. So they're still probably not going to the playoffs, but it is possible. So um, pretty ridiculous game here. Uh, very, very tight game. Not exactly the most fun to watch, but that uh, was a pretty uh, significant win for the Raiders, who at least want to get somewhere. But the Raiders have a winning record in week going into Week 17, which despite everything that's happened to the Raiders this year, which – I mean, we already are probably going to see a documentary about it, but like so much has happened. It's just, it's pretty, pretty wild. So uh, that's going to wrap up that game from out there. We can now go to a game that was, uh, this was something, uh, Washington against Dallas. Um, Well, if you didn't like the tight, low scoring games, you would have loved this one because this game was neither of those 56-14. Was your final? It was that's forty-two a, to seven at halftime. That's half a, a clowning. That's a, a dunking on. This is why Washington doesn't deserve a real name yet, because you got the Cowboys to drop fifty-six on you. And I get the Cowboys have a good offense, but it is remarkably difficult to have a team drop fifty-six on you in the game. And you know what my favorite part about this game was? The funniest part about this game, above everything, is that Zeke still did nothing. <laughs> Is that even yeah, scoring no. 56 points, he still was remarkably ineffective. <laughs> he is a great sixth offensive lineman. When you got to line up the max oh, protect, God. man, he is an absolute weapon in the max protect game. I, I, it just kills me. Like, that's the craziest thing is that Dallas dropped 56 points and they did not have a rusher over 40 yards or a receiver over 85 yards. That's remarkable to me. You can score that many points. And really not have any receivers or well, the defense is doing a ton for them. I mean, we saw Demarcus Lawrence right. touchdown. We saw a Trayvon Diggs interception, another one. 
This defense is playing lights out, and that's really been what's carrying them through the second half of the season. But when the offense lines up and when they can have that that much success and when the defense is setting them up for that success, this is a really, really hard team to beat. I'm not going as far as to say like Super Bowl favorite by any means, but this is a team that can compete with anyone. Uh, Dallas wins the NFC East with this victory pretty easily. Uh, Heineke was really, really bad here. Um, the Cowboys, despite scoring eight touchdowns, only had two of the eight touchdowns over 10 yards on the offense, at least. They did have two touchdowns outside the offense, which is a block punt recovery in the end zone with Chauncey Golston landing on it. And then a 40-yard pick six by Demarcus Lawrence, which was pretty remarkable. So, um, yeah, I cannot say anything more positive about Dallas here. I know we uh, don't especially love loving on the Cowboys in this podcast or anything, but um, I do still have to give them credit, obviously, where it's due. So, massive win for the Cowboys. Next up, we have a game that has made me oh so happy, and I know that I'm rent-free, but I don't care, and it is the Miami Dolphins against the New Orleans Aints, and this was a beautiful game. The Dolphins have made no sense this season. They are a very weird team, but they're a very fun team because they lost seven in a row, and then they won seven in a row. (laughs) And I'm no mathematician or historian, But I can say that is an incredibly rare appearance. In fact, so rare that it's never happened before. So seven-game losing, seven-game winning, that's remarkable. So, yeah, the Dolphins are the first team to have both those streaks in the same seasons. Two picks and eight sacks on third string. Ian Book uh, destroyed the Saints here. And I just got to give a big shout-out to Miami. They were a team that had a 1% odds to make the playoffs. 1% when they had that end of that losing streak. And right now – they're all the way up to, I think it's uh, 32%, and they're currently the seventh seed. So to move from 1% to being currently in the playoffs if the season ended today with only two weeks to go, that's amazing. So I, I have to give the Dolphins a ton of credit. That was unbelievably impressive to come back like that. And we're looking at a team that could totally seriously make the playoffs when they had no right and no business to be anywhere in there. And the craziest thing, they control their own destiny. Miami wins out there in. And I've been so impressed with what two is doing this year. Oh yeah. He is turning around mean, big time. After these last few games, after coming back from the injury, Tua seems to have turned it on. They've got him a weapon that can actually catch consistently um, and, and run routes consistently in Jalen Waddle. They've got an offensive line that can give him a little bit of protection And they've got a defense that's going to give them some help. So this is a team uh, that's almost, I would say, a complete team. Uh, If they can keep Tua clean and keep him playing at a high level with high efficiency and just, I mean, milking the Jalen Waddle connection for all it's worth, this is a great team. Uh, And it's a team that I'm really worried about coming up this weekend, uh, coming into Nashville. Uh, and getting a win, because I think it's a real possibility for them. Yeah, it has been um, it's been a very impressive run. The Dolphins are on a great streak here. And, yeah, there's a reason why Tennessee's only favored by three and a half at home, um, which is one of, I think, one of the lowest um, home favorites of the weekend. In fact, uh, looking ahead, uh, I think they actually are. They are the lowest home favorites of the week. 
No other home favorite is it win their favors. A lot of away teams are, but in terms right, of when right, the right. home team is when the home team is favored, they have the lowest um, point differential. So pretty impressive there from Miami to really make it a close game. We now will wrap up our at least week uh, 16 coverage with our AFC and NFC players and teams of the week. And I'll go ahead and start things off with the NFC where I got Dak Prescott as mine. He had an incredible game here. I get Washington defense hasn't been the best this season, but he pretty much played a perfect game. Couldn't have asked for more, had a fantastic outing here. And then my team of the week is, uh, I know we covered a little bit of this um, last podcast. I'm just going to include it because it's part of week 16, but I'm going to go with the green Bay Packers here. They had a really impressive game against uh, Cleveland with a lot of guys out. And uh, Rodgers setting a team record, and they really needed to win that game, and they did. The Packers are a perfect 7-0 at home. Really great season out in Lambeau. And so I'm going to start with my AFC player of the week, T. Higgins, putting up over 200 yards um, on the uh, through the air. Uh, just an absolutely massive week for him. Team of the week, I'm going to go with Tennessee uh, for getting back on track. Um, and setting themselves up for a control your own destiny as far as the playoffs and the number two team or the number two seed is concerned. And for the NFC, I'm going to go with uh, Devontae Adams. Uh, absolutely massive week again. Uh, 10 receptions, 114 yards, two touchdowns, looking unstoppable uh, even when he is getting double teamed. And team of the week, hmm. What do I want to go with here? I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Just to do that to a division opponent, um, it doesn't get more disrespectful than putting up 56 um, on a division opponent. Uh, We've seen it before uh, in other games. Patriots, Titans, uh, circa early 2010s. would be one of those, but just absolutely disrespectful win. Uh, and, and I love to see it. So let's take a look at our oh, lock of the I, I didn't give you my AFC. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my, AF, my AFC is, um, again, I kind of was good. We didn't do it last week, but I was going to kind of do it with, um, with the same kind of reasoning. As in, I'm only putting this in because there's no way we'll probably ever have this player or team uh, ever again on here. But I'm going to go with Rex Burkhead and the Houston Texans is mine because even though the game didn't I mean much it. for them, even though this game didn't mean much for them, um, this still was a really incredible outing. Burkhead played a fantastic game, tore up that Chargers defense, and then Houston delivering one of the most impressive wins I've seen from a lot of teams this season in terms of um, talent disparity, coaching disparity, everything disparity. Um, the fact they came out and won this game, but like really won this game. This wasn't a close game. They came out and smacked the Chargers, and that I think deserves a lot of credit. So I got to shout him out there. Now we can go to Lock of the Week, where you can go ahead and start us off if you'd like. Ooh, I got to find a lock. I got to look at the lines. Um, I'll find I, got, it. I got one. I can go ahead. Go ahead one. and give me your lock. Uh, I will give you my lock very shortly. Okay, so I have been terrible with mine. So bad. I've been so bad with locks. You want to know my lock was last week? It was the Chargers to cover. I'm terrible with locks. I can't do it. So I'm going to keep this is why I'm not a betting man. And this is why you're here for this. But I'm going to go with one that I think is safe Chargers, Chiefs, or sorry, uh, Chiefs, Bengals over. I think that's fairly safe. 
I'm going to go ahead and go with that. Both teams have been playing electric offense recently. They're both coming off of really good offensive games. I, I just – I think that could happen. I think both teams are going to really struggle to slow down Burrow or Mahomes. I'm really, really debating here. Uh, I think there are a couple possible answers. Um, but you know what? I'm going with Detroit plus seven against Seattle. Detroit plus seven against Seattle. Uh, in Seattle, where we just saw uh, the Seahawks lose to the Bears, it's looking rough out there. Uh, the Lions are playing really hard. They are absolutely going to get up for this game. Uh, I got Lions plus seven. Uh, considering Jared Goff is probably going to be back this week uh, against an old NFC West rival. Come on. Give me the Lions. That's a pretty good bet. I like that bet. That's a good bet. Next, well, I might we have – um, Well, okay, then I hate it. <laughs> We now have my favorite section, and it's my favorite because I put in a comical amount of time into doing this. Um, there is like literally a whole page and a half of notes. Like I wrote so much. I did so much research, um, but I found out and done the math, and we have our full and complete playoff picture. So starting things off in the AFC, because we break it down by this to make it simpler. In the AFC. AFC East, the current four seed is the Bills. They have an 89% chance of clinching the division. A, uh, and then uh, with that, just to stick on them then, with on that, the Bills cannot clinch the division this week. No availability to. But they do clinch a playoff berth if they win, and Baltimore must lose or tie. And they need to win, and the LA Chargers need to lose, and the Raiders need to lose. I'm also going to be eliminating tie scenarios in this, so sorry if I said that a minute ago, but I'm going to be eliminating tie scenarios because I basically pretend they don't exist and they don't really matter because they're not going to happen. So forget about tie scenarios. Um, next, we have the AFC North, your current three seed, the Cincinnati Bengals. They have a 72% chance to clinch. Now, the Bengals can clinch the AFC North division title very simply with a win this week or – uh, actually, no, the other ones are ties. So the other tie scenarios are unlikely. All they need to do is win. You win and you're in. Uh, next up, we have the Tennessee Titans at number two. Uh, they are have an 88% chance to clinch the division, and they win with a victory or an Indianapolis loss. Either of those happen, and the Titans will wrap things up. And then the AFC West is pretty simple with the Cincinnati Chiefs already clinching the division and, of course, the playoffs. But the they can't clinch a, Um, What did I say? Cincinnati. Oh, my bad. Um, sorry, I'm just going too fast. Uh, the Chiefs, um, that would be odd, the Cincinnati Chiefs. Uh, first round by can be clinched, of course, home field advantage as well, with a win plus a Tennessee loss. They need the Titans to lose. Moving on to the NFC, your top four teams, the Cowboys, Packers, and Bucks, which is 2-1-4 in the current listing, are all uh, division champions, so they don't have to worry about that. But uh, first round bye can be clinched for Green Bay this week with a victory and a Dallas loss. Um, and then the Rams are your final NFC team. They're leading in the West, 77% chance to clinch. They've already clinched the playoffs, but they can get the West Division title with a victory and an Arizona loss. They need both to happen. On to the AFC wild card. Your five seed is the Indianapolis Colts, and they can clinch this week with as simple as a win. They have a 97% chance to make the playoffs, so they just got to win. Um, 
Patriots have the sixth seed. They can clinch with a win and a Miami loss or a win and a Vegas loss. So either of those teams losing if the Patriots win, which again, the Patriots pay the Jags. So 94% chance to make the playoffs. Uh, seven seed is currently the Dolphins, which drop all the way down to 32%. Um, yeah, the seven seed is very much up for grabs in the AFC. Um, the Dolphins cannot clinch the playoffs this week, so no clinching scenarios for them. And if they lose, um, I'm not sure if they're eliminated, actually. Um, uh, oh, no, they are. If Miami loses, uh, it's basically it's a long list. But if Vegas, uh, L.A. Chargers, and Pittsburgh win, they're out. Um, if the Patriots, Raiders, and Chargers win, they're out. They basically just need the rest of the AFC to lose. A lot of that's a little too complicated, um, so that's not very likely. Um, in the Hunt teams, first up, we have the New Orleans Saints. Now, of course, the Saints uh, cannot clinch the division anymore with that division all wrapped up, but uh, looking ahead here, uh, the Saints are eliminated from playoff contention with a loss and a San Francisco win and a Philly win. So pretty unlikely the Saints are eliminated uh, this week. Um, Chargers, uh, they pretty sure they cannot clinch this week, but they can eliminate with uh, a loss and a Miami win and a Baltimore win or a Baltimore-Pittsburgh and a Cincy win. So if those two scenarios happen, the Chargers will be done. Uh, the Ravens. Uh, actually have 20 different scenarios to be eliminated this week, which obviously we're not going to go through all of those. And those are 20 scenarios in which they lose. They're out. But uh, if the Baltimore Ravens just simply lose, they aren't eliminated. They need a lot of different things to happen. The simplest way is if Vegas, LA Chargers, and Miami win and Baltimore loses, they are done. But of course, those odds are pretty low. Uh, then the Raiders are up next. They only have a 16%. I think it's up to an 18% now. Pretty low odds, though. And they are eliminated with a Chargers and Baltimore win or a Chargers and Baltimore, uh, sorry, Chargers and Buffalo and New England win or a Chargers, Buffalo and Miami win. Uh, so those are, again, not crazy odds that to happen. Uh, the Steelers are eliminated with a loss and a Baltimore win, a loss and a Miami win, or a loss and a Chargers win, or a loss and a Vegas win. So if Pittsburgh loses, they need Baltimore, Miami, Chargers, and Vegas to all lose is the only chance that the Steelers have. So the Steelers' um, odds to make the playoffs, if they lose, are basically zero. Um, So they absolutely have to win. This is a must-win week for the Steelers. Uh, For the Vikings... Uh, to look at the Vikings. Uh, Their loss last week really hurt them a lot. They are eliminated with a loss plus a Philly win, a loss plus an Atlanta win, uh, and then a loss plus an Atlanta tie, New Orleans win, but that's probably not going to happen. So basically just um, the Vikings need Atlanta or Philly to lose. And looking at the rest here, um, they actually cannot clinch. Um, Those two teams uh, cannot clinch. I'm not sure why I forgot to put these uh, in the hunt, at least, or they're right here, um, with uh, Philly, because Philly is your current seven seed. Oh, yeah, the NFC wildcard. I forgot to say that. Uh, Cardinals are the five seed. They have clinched um, up playoff runs, so they are simply just waiting. And uh, the 49ers can clinch a playoff berth with a victory and a New Orleans loss. And Philly can clinch with a win plus a Vikings and New Orleans loss or a win plus a Vikings loss and a San Francisco win. So Philly fans will be cheering for San Francisco this week. 
And finally, in the hunt, the last team that has basically any kind of real odds to make the playoffs are the Cleveland Browns, which they are knocked out of playoff contention with a loss or a Cincinnati win plus a Miami win or Cincinnati win plus a Chargers win. Your last couple of teams that have any slight odds here, it's very unlikely, but it's Washington, Atlanta, and Denver. Um, Washington, lose, uh, Washington, Atlanta, and Denver, if any of them lose, they're eliminated. But even if they don't lose, Washington is out with San Francisco, New Orleans, and Atlanta all winning. Atlanta is out with uh, Philly and San Francisco winning. Atlanta is done, even if they beat Buffalo. Um, and then the Broncos have an incredibly difficult path to the playoff. Um, but um, I, I, I just – yeah, it's if Miami, Pittsburgh, Baltimore win or Denver loses, they're done. So very, very I'm low sorry. odds there, obviously. I'm trying to be a vigilant citizen. Uh, you know, if you see something, say something. Uh, and I just saw – I believe it may have been Mike Golick Jr. Um, on live on ESPN – eating an Uncrustable, which he dipped in mayo at the Duke's Mayo Bowl. That is something that the world never needed to see. If anyone tells you that their sport is better than college football, is a better entertainment product from a pure entertainment standpoint, (laughs) tell them they are wrong. Because of Duke's Mayo Bowl. I promise you are never going to see Tony Romo eating an uncrustable with mayonnaise on an NFL broadcast. Um, last note here on possible seeds. I wouldn't put seeds. it past Steve Levy, though. I wouldn't <laughs> put it past Steve Levy at all. La- last note on here, possible seeds. Last note is the Cowboys will either get the one, two, three, or four seed. Uh, Philly can get the five, six, or seven or be eliminated, and Washington can get the six or seven or be eliminated. Green Bay is locked into the top four. Minnesota will either get six or seven or be done. Uh, Tampa Bay, again, locked in top four. Uh, Atlanta, 6-7 eliminated. New Orleans, 6-7 eliminated. Uh, Rams and Cardinals. Rams could be anywhere from one through five. Cardinals could be anywhere from one through six. Yes, the Cardinals can still get the one seed. That still is possible. And San Francisco would get 6-7 or eliminated. Uh, the Bills and the Patriots actually can get every single seed or be eliminated at this point. Every single seed. Uh, the Dolphins can get everything but the one seed. There is a path that the Dolphins get the two seed. <laughs> It is possible. Um, Bengals, uh, Titans, and Colts all can get any number of seeds, plus get eliminated. Baltimore, everyone but the one seed. Pittsburgh, anywhere but the one or the two seed. There is a reality in which Pittsburgh can get the three seed, which is frightening. Um, And then Cleveland either gets the fourth, the seventh, or eliminated. And then finally, in the AFC West, the Chiefs get one through four. And then much more simply that the Chargers and Raiders can get five, six, seven, or gone. And the uh, Denver Broncos are the only team that is either the seventh seed or is eliminated. Every other team gets at least a couple options, but the Broncos are the only team that has just two. So that's a breakdown of the playoffs. Love doing it. It's a lot of fun. But now we can move on to our final section, which will be of our week 17 picks and preview. Now I am leading right now at 156, 77, and 1. And uh, Noah, you are uh, right behind at 149, 84, and 1, which, by the way, we both are doing one heck of a job. So that is pretty awesome that we are doing great there. So first game up on the slate, Atlanta, Buffalo. It's probably going to be a snow game up in the tundra. I am pretty confident that the Falcons are not going to win this game. I would sure love them to, 
But um, I think we can say pretty safely, I don't think it's going to happen. It says a lot about the Falcons offense that uh, they're going up against the Bills, and I feel better about the Bills' ability to run the ball in cold weather than the Falcons. And that, they're, that they're still going to pass, though. They're still going to pass. I do think – Oh, the, yeah. No, we have, we have a better rushing game than they do. We just have a worse offensive line, a worse defense, and a worse quarterback. and, and well, Maybe not worse coaching necessarily, but – I mean, I'm not going to ding Arthur Smith in year one, but um, we're worse we're than like 90 percent of theirs. No, Buffalo's going to win. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying that Atlanta's rushing with Patterson and Davis is better than Singletary, but it doesn't matter when you don't have any other piece of a team, so it, it, it's irrelevant. Um, next up, we have the New York Giants up against the Chicago Bears, and uh, I'm going to go with Chicago here because they are playing the Giants. And that's about all the reasoning I need. I was, I, we're <laughs> on the same page there. I don't care who's starting at quarterback. It's going to be better than either Mike Glennon or Daniel Jones. Not really much of a debate there. And the city, Cincinnati. This one's going to be in Cincy and could be a crazy game. Now, the Chiefs are favored coming into this game. They have been really hot recently. But I'm going to ride the Burrow train and go with an upset here. I think the Bengals could pull this off. Uh, the, I know the Chiefs have been favored by a bunch. I know the Chiefs have been playing great, but I just think that with all the cards on the table and with the Bengals actually able to clinch a division title, I think the stars are aligning a little bit. I think this could be a really incredible game. I understand that most logical reasoning will be picking uh, the Chiefs this game, especially because they've been really good on the road. The Bengals have been okay at home. I just feel like this is kind of a fate game, so I may be picking it for that. It pains me to say this, but I have to disagree with you here. Um, I I love all of the reasoning that you just gave for Cincinnati. It's kind of why I'm staying away uh, from this game as far as betting. It's too is much concerned. pressure. <laughs> it's too much pressure. Um, I love all of the narratives for Cincinnati. However, um, I'm going to go with Casey because I think Casey has shown that they're a narrative breaker this year, uh, that they can take just, your narrative and completely throw it out the window. So I'm fading the narrative here. This is a little bit of a principal pick. I'm going with Casey, even though I need, and, and I hope I'm wrong here because I would love for Cincinnati to win uh, and with the Titans win for the Titans to uh, jump up into that number one seed with the first round by all oh, just we could get everybody back. I'm just, I'm just so sad with the Falcons game. I get to miss this one. I really wanted to watch this game. So that's the one. Thing yeah, this is going to be a, a fun game to watch one. for sure. And speaking of Miami versus Tennessee, the Miami Dolphins stomp their way, riding a seven-game win streak into Nashville, Tennessee, where they face the Tennessee Titans with, of course, a division title on the line. I think the Titans get it done. It's the Ryan Tannehill revenge game. He still this is the first time he's played the Dolphins uh, since being traded from Miami. So writing the narrative it's with writing a chance. The <laughs> writing the narrative on this one. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill revenge game. Uh, AJ Brown is still just an absolute lock uh, to get a bunch of receptions, bunch of yards every time he steps on the field. Um, I am riding hard with the Titans this year. We'll probably take the three and a half. Uh, this team is back, and they're I, very I scary. don't know. 
I don't know if they're going to cover this game. I have the Titans as well, but I think it may be a three-point win and not three-and-a-half. I, I think they may barely not cover because I think that Miami is good enough to make something happen here. Now, I also think that how the Dolphins have been this good that now everyone can sort of sit back and say, okay, we know it's coming. And I think people can adjust to that a little bit. Now, the Dolphins are still not a very good road team. The Titans have been a fantastic home team. So I think at least with that, I'm going to be rolling with uh, Tennessee here. But I, I think it's going to be kind of close. And I get that New Orleans has been way worse than Tennessee. Plus, they have a lot of guys out. I mean, Tennessee is not rolling out their third-string quarterback in this game. Tannehill will be obviously a lot better than Ian Book. So I'm aware that that's a big – there's a lot of con- like context around that New Orleans win. That was, again, a dominant win. It was 20-3. to It was not close. But a lot of context surrounding that. So I think that with that, the fact that – the Titans really only have Henry out as their only major player again with AJ Brown back with Tannehill playing well, the defense playing well. Like it's, I, I think that's going to be the defense actually played really well in the last five games, despite losing three of them. Um, or actually, no, sorry, not those two. Um, the last three games, Tennessee has allowed zero points, uh, 19 and 17. So still not allowing over 20 points. And I think the Dolphins, who have scored over 20 in all of their wins, is going to be difficult to, to pull out a win without doing that. Next, we go to the beautiful state of Indiana, where we have the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Indianapolis Colts um, in what could be a pretty intriguing game, uh, simply by the fact that the Raiders pulled out a very odd win. They have a winning record on the road. Um, And the fact that the Colts are getting a lot of guys back for this game, but they aren't getting back Carson Wentz which is going to be interesting because I get Carson Wentz has had a lot of crap thrown at him this season, but he's actually played pretty decently. He's got 3,200 passing yards, 25 touchdowns, only six picks. And of course, Jonathan Taylor is ready to go for this game and he has been ridiculous this year. So Carson Wentz will be back for this game, by the way. He will be. I thought he was still out. It says on the report he's still out. He is still out as of now. He will be able to get back because they just uh, changed the guidelines to five days instead of 10. Well, no, I know Regardless that that changed. But, um, status. Oh well, there's there's still not definite that he's going to play. That's still not a for certain. Really, I saw that he was going to play, but I don't remember where I saw. I they, well, they said he's eligible to play if he clears COVID protocols. Yeah, but, yeah and yeah. it's still an if. It's so still still, an if. So still a big if there. They said they said if Carson, this is by Zach Kiefer on Twitter. It said uh, via Frank Reich, if Carson Wentz clears the protocol, he is eligible to return in time for Sunday's game versus the Raiders. So the change in protocols will allow Wentz to return, provided he has no symptoms and he tests out. If he doesn't, Sam Ellinger will start, which is hilarious. But um, yeah, he isn't cleared yet. But I still don't think that matters much because I think that I just don't see how. Vegas is going to contain Taylor. And I can even look at rush defensive rankings right now to sort of see who's been among the best rushing teams. Um, and now if Carson Wentz like plays in this back. game, if Carson Wentz plays in this game, I'll see anyway, the the uh, Raiders win. If Carson Wentz doesn't play though, I can see Sam Ellinger thrown out a stinker. I just but think regardless, they have Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, they can't They're stop Taylor. Ride I don't think it matters, especially if let's they go. take a lead and milk the clock. I th- I think Indy's still going to win this game. Let's go with Indy, but we uh, re- reserve our right to uh, change that pick. 
uh, should something yeah, we happen. Yeah, we can we can fin- we can we can finagle the yeah. pick pregame. That's that's always yeah. okay. Uh, um, Jacksonville versus New England. We do not need to spend much time on this. New England boo. bounce back game. Boo no for coach. existing. <laughs> Headless snake in Jacksonville. Um, I hate that this is a game that's reality. This is a sixteen point spread. Um, obviously, the Patriots are favored heavily. Um, it's supposed yeah. to be actually 60 degrees in uh, Foxborough for this game in January. So that's very odd. But, but I think um, the as, do not – I think the – go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. Yeah, I was finish, just saying uh, that it's, it's, uh, it's warm weather for the time. I think that New England's going to pull away and win a very easy game here. I get Mac Jones had a really bad performance last week, but that was also against a much better team. Jacksonville is still, still yet to win a road game. And this is their last chance. So can they yeah. come out and win? No, no. they're not going to win this game. No. Um, <clears throat> we'll see if New England covers. Um, they haven't really blown out a team in a while. I mean, the Dolphins – or sorry, Titans and Falcons they did, but that was over a month ago. Um, they played a lot of close games since then. They've actually kind of been declining. Uh, so I don't exactly think they're going to put up like 50 on this team, but I do think that it is still going to be a pretty clean win. Jacksonville cannot score the ball whatsoever, so they're going to put up maybe 10 points in this game. Well, next up, we have the do not watch this game of the week. Uh, this is Carolina versus New Orleans. A lot of uh, options a lot of, for that. <laughs> lot, of, lot of options as far as where this game could go. Uh, there are a lot of better options as far as where you could turn your television because uh, this game is going to be a horrendous eyesore. I'm going with New Orleans because I think Sean Payton's just going to straight up out coach Matt Rule, no matter who's playing quarterback back there. But oh my goodness, this game is going to be terrible. Yeah, this game makes my eyes hurt. I don't like looking at this game, but we have to because this is what we do here. And for this game, I think the Saints are going to win and they're going to win fairly easily. But fortunately, I don't have to watch this game because I'll be driving back uh, from Buffalo. So I have no interest in watching the Saints really ever. But um, this game uh, is at least another reason to not do so. Uh, we then have up next a battle of the, uh, I would say, Northeastern spirit teams. And that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Jersey Jets, uh, which, yes, I'm still sticking with New Jersey for that. Only because basically everyone in Tampa at this point is all just Northeasterners that move down there, which is the case with most of Central and South Florida. So this is just a battle of the essentially Northeast teams. And this game should be pretty cut and dry. Uh, this game would be pretty cool to go to. I actually was w- wanting to go to this game. Um, if the Falcons didn't play the Bills this exact weekend, if it wasn't that exact game, I probably would have gone to this one. Uh, simply because the weather is going to be awesome. Um, it's going to be sunny and like 65 in New Jersey in January. So weather is going to be fantastic. And it's getting to see Tom Brady play live. So actually I'm kind of annoyed that I'm going to miss this game. But uh, still just to see them destroy the the Jets, but yeah, this should not be a close game. Tampa Bay should win by a lot. Uh, not much really out here. Yeah, no, I'm I'm 100 with you there. This is going to be a non-contest, uh, so to speak. We now have uh, Philadelphia up against Washington in oh, a game. It's not exactly a very flashy game, but it's actually a really important game playoff-wise for both these teams. Um, yeah. As I mentioned when I rolled down through the playoff list, uh, these teams really do need to win these games. Uh, Philadelphia, of course, the win plus a Minnesota loss and a New Orleans loss will clinch. 
Um, now I know New Orleans losing to Carolina is not very likely this week, but Minnesota will get to that game against Green Bay is uh, very likely actually. Um, so yeah, Philly really, really needs to win this game. Uh, the Falcons uh, again, still do have a chance in the playoffs, like I said, um, but uh, they really need Philadelphia to lose and then they are safe. San Francisco plays Houston, which I highly doubt they're going to lose that game. So um, as an Atlanta fan, I'm very much pulling for Washington in this game. But sadly, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Philly's a much better team. They should win this game. We, uh, we obviously saw last week just how really not good Washington is, and I think that's going to still stay pretty clear. Yeah, I don't foresee Heineke uh, really having that much of an impact in this game. Uh, Philly's been running the lights out of the ball. Uh, I, I expect them to continue doing about the same. Uh, next up, we've got Denver versus L.A., uh, that is the Chargers. Um, if LA gets all their guys back in this game, I see it as a big bounce back win. I mean, it's too late in the year uh, to be dropping two games in a row uh, to teams that are obviously, and and I mean objectively worse uh, than the Chargers. Yeah, this is uh, not extremely likely here. Obviously, if Denver loses, they are eliminated. We know their odds are pretty low. Um, if the Chargers win, they still stay in the playoffs. There is no way for them to be eliminated if they do win this week, like we discussed. Um, so, yeah, this could be pretty important. Uh, in terms of clinching, uh, the Chargers cannot clinch with the win anyway, but they will be inching a little bit closer, at least according to 538. They're at 33%. A victory gets them to 45%. And if they win next week against the Raiders, they go up to 69 slash 70% pretty much in between. So um, obviously winning is not necessary for the Chargers, but if they lose, their odds go down to only 7%. So big time game for the Chargers. They're just a much better team. They really ought to win this game. You can't lose this one. Very, very, very important for them. We now have the Houston Texans up against the San Francisco 49ers. I'm pulling heavily for Houston in this game to see if they can pull off a miracle win. But I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Lightning's going to strike twice here. Twelve and a half favorites, pretty heavy. Um, this is actually the home finale for San Francisco um, out in North California. But uh, I, I mean, I don't think it's very possible for Houston to do it again. I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo may actually not play this game. Uh, he tore him. Um, I think some. I can't remember the muscle name of his thumb, or he hurt his thumb pretty badly. So I'm not sure if he's going to play in this game. But um, San Francisco really, really needs this win. They're at 75% chance to make the playoffs. Their odds don't really improve a lot if they win, only 5% improvement. But if they lose, they go down to about a 50-50 shot to make it. So um, not the most drastic, but um, a loss definitely uh, is very helpful for them. Now, here's what's crazy. Just talk about percentages and odds. Just to mention, I know I'm talking to the Falcons a lot, but if the Falcons are at 2% right now, if the Falcons win – and the Niners lose, Eagles lose, Saints lose. The Falcons have a forty-one percent chance to make the playoffs. <laughs> you realize the Falcons, which is nuts, playoffs, right? I know. I'm just saying with odds. I'm just, just saying to make with sure odds in the right place. I know. I know. I'm just saying that it is insane to think about the odds of that are so exorbitantly higher with just a couple of things going awry for that. Like I just think that's nuts. Wait, so you paid money and you're going to drive all the way just to watch the Falcons get eliminated from the playoffs. Okay, once again, once again, I paid money to watch them play Detroit. You think I wouldn't go out of my way to pay to watch actually good players to play against? Detroit, only there's like two good, Swift didn't play. So it's like the well, only yeah, really good player. Well, yeah, you could beat Detroit. <laughs> I still had to watch Detroit. 
which was that was hard to watch. I had to drag my dad to go to that game. He adamantly refused, and I finally got him to go, which thank you to him for going to that. But it was just – yeah, it was a mess. But, no, but it's also to see the Bills. I want to see the Bills. I want to see Bills Stadium. I want to see a snow game. It's going to be a really cool experience. It's going to be really cold. But I just want to – I want to experience that. I want to be in the vibe of that for a game. I think that will be fun. Even if I'm we lose, San it's Fr- still a fun I'm game. on San Francisco in this game. Just so I also – I don't so hate the clear. Bills. I don't hate the Bills. I've never been against the Bills. They're, they're, if they win, the Patriots lose, which that, that's that's a plus for me. So I got nothing against them. It'll be a it. fun You're talking game. yourself into it. I love it. Uh, probably the biggest game of the week, Arizona versus Dallas. Uh, Arizona is 0-5 in their last five games with a chance to uh, clinch the playoffs. <laughs> I am riding with that trend. I am 100% riding with that trend. I think Arizona is going to completely blow it again. We already know the Cowboys uh, essentially just jockeying for seeding position at this point. They already clinched their division. Um, Arizona with another chance to clinch a playoff berth this weekend. 0-6. Dallas Cowboys are rolling. Uh, I see them continuing to roll. Uh, And I see a Kyler Murray uh, to Trayvon Diggs pick in the future. Yeah, this this uh, this is probably going to happen here. A Cowboys victory um, is actually very. This game really more affects the Rams than anyone else too. The Cowboys uh, really not really playing for a whole lot in this game, given they already have the division and their odds of a first round bye are very small. Um, with a win, that makes the Rams' odds to win the division incredibly high. In fact, if they beat Baltimore and the Cowboys win, then it is all said and done. So uh, the Rams are very much looking forward to that game. Um, but if uh, the Cardinals win and the Rams lose, it's 82 to 18% chances for the Cardinals. So this game will, uh, this game plus the Rams game are both pretty much going to wrap up uh, the division uh, for the, um, for the NFC West. So that will probably wrap that up, but yeah, Dallas has been fantastic at home. The Cardinals have actually been really good on the road is the only thing making me a little nervous about that. They've been really good on the road. Um, but I know they haven't been clinching in a while. So uh, the game is actually freezing. Too. It's going to be 42 degrees in Arlington for that uh, game. I know it's indoors anyway, but a weirdly cold game out in Texas. Um, again, oh, we'll I lied. The game. I lied. But the Cardinals can't clinch anything with this uh, with a win. With just, no, a- I know. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying. They can't. They can't clinch. They can get eliminated from the divisional title this week. Um, but they need the Rams to win. To that get sounds eliminated. like a Cardinals thing to do. I would trust yeah. the Cardinals to get eliminated from the division race this I week. just I think it'll be tighter. I don't think it's gonna be some twenty point win. I think it's I don't gonna either. be tight. I, don't I think either. it's I the, think it'll the be Card- tight as well. The Cardinals know that they can shape up and win this game. They know it's possible. And I don't think they're just gonna lie down and die. So that's why I'm gonna be a little bit like, eh, okay. I'm gonna be a All little right. hesitant All right. with that. All right. Game of the week, Detroit versus Seattle. In Seattle. Uh, we already talked about my lock. I am going to pick Detroit outright in this game because these are two teams moving in completely different directions. Detroit, these guys are trying to get on some good tape, try to secure the spot on a roster for next year. Seattle, these guys are packing up and going home because it's the first time in 10 years that they haven't made the playoffs. They're planning their trips to Cancun. Russ is already thinking about what uh, sort of vague shrouded statement his agent's going to release, what sort of press releases they're going to do for Ciara as far as what cities she would prefer to live in. 
uh, next season. All this stuff is already in the works while the Detroit Lions are out here still biting kneecaps and doing their best to try to kick ass. Um, And I'm going to ride with the Lions this week in Seattle. So I just, I don't know. I feel like that the, given the fact that Detroit doesn't really have much of a pass defense, I think that with Metcalf and Lockett, they can, the Seahawks can come in and really exploit that. And I think that they're still going to win this game. I'm pretty solid with them winning this game. I, I think the Lions have a lot of things to go through with, but I'm going to kind of pull what you did earlier and go against a lot of the narrative reasons to win. And I'm just going to go with the fact that even though they've lost a lot this year, even though they haven't been good, the, the Seahawks are still a much better team. And I get Swift is coming back. I get there's a lot of positive things to look for the Lions this week, but I just think that at least on the defensive end, there's really very little Detroit can do to stop anything Seattle does. And I, and I get yeah. Seattle hasn't had the best games recently. I, I, I'm aware of that. I know they haven't been awesome, but we've seen what happens when Seattle plays teams that really don't have any pass defense at all, and it usually doesn't go well for them. So I, I just – I think they can really come out and deliver um, a big punch there. We've also seen what um, what Penny's been doing recently. Had a really good game last week, even in the loss. So I think that rushing is going to be difficult for Detroit to contain. Um, only reason why I think they, they haven't did that had well to play the Detroit Lions bad. yet. I yeah, have not true. had to play just, the Detroit Lions yet. I just I I think this could be um I, I don't know if they're gonna cover though. I would not have uh Seattle covering, but I do think that it's gonna be uh a, a Seattle win. We now can go to the Rams and the Baltimore Ravens, where uh this game is between two teams that have a ton to play for. This game is immensely important. Again, we already mentioned a bunch of times about what uh the deal is with the um with the win, I'm actually going. Uh, sorry, I did the timing of this up. So this is actually a one o'clock game. We usually go by time, so we kind of mix this up. But um, I still don't know if Lamar's back for this game. I'm pretty sure Tyler he Huntley was, is going to go for this game. He returned he yesterday, but he, he was limping. Yesterday. He was limping pretty noticeably, uh, is what the report said. So I'm going to go he with Tyler won. Huntley starting in this game. Even if Lamar Jackson starts, I don't know if he'll make it all the way through or what percentage he'll be, given that he's pretty much probably going to have to stay in the pocket. These teams, if you want to talk about teams going in opposite directions, it can't be more clear than this. Rams have won four in a row after losing one. Ravens have lost four in a row after winning one. So <laughs> – this has been pretty dramatic uh, for both these teams. Um, the Rams have had a better offense most of the season, way better in the passing game, not as good in the rushing game. But again, you don't have Lamar Jackson to exploit that. So that's going to be pretty difficult. Uh, the Ravens have been great in the run defense, actually. Um, Rams had to rely on that a little bit last week with Sony Michelle coming in. But I, I just, I think it's really hard for me to imagine Matthew Stafford to play that bad of a game twice in a row, especially against the Baltimore team that has been. I mean, banged up is an understatement. So I think that could be um, really difficult for them to sort of blow that. So that, that seems kind of tough to me. Um, I, I think that that's still going to be uh, pretty solid for them. I'm actually looking at all-time um, receptions in a season record because I know that was a Michael Thomas thing. But um, Cooper Cup has passed Antonio Brown for now fifth all-time. Um, if he gets five more receptions this week, he will beat out Antonio Brown and Julio Jones, who each got 136. And he only has 15 to go to beat Michael Thomas. 15 right, to go. That's and that's doable. two weeks. Two weeks of 15 to go. That's honestly pretty good and, odds. And, he gets, he gets and, like 10 and, every week. And side note, I, I'm picking LA in this game. 
but just a side note on that. I un I understand why they did it. What I don't understand is how no one is mentioning that all of these, oh, they're on pace, you know, with an extra game to break this X record. It's not the same record. They got an extra game. Yeah, they're not really. I don't care if someone breaks the single season rushing record unless they do it in 16 games. Yeah, it's they're all asterisk records at this point, which we all we all know they would be. If they play 17 games and they break a single season record, I am asterisking that record immediately. They do not own the record. Yeah, they own a record. It's a record for this 17 game era of football. Yes. We now move to Sunday Night Football, which will feature the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers. And this one, I think, will go the way of the Falcons, and it will be having, which I'm still basing this on, which will be having the Minnesota Vikings uh, lose this game. I think it's pretty likely they do. A victory for Green Bay all but seals up a first-round bye. Um, In fact, they actually clinch it if the Cowboys lose as well, as we mentioned. But, um, yeah, the Packers should close this game out. Uh, with that victory, the Vikings would have just a 3% odds to make the playoffs. Of course, I mentioned there are other scenarios with other teams that could get eliminated, but uh, they will not be eliminated by this game alone. Regardless, Green Bay is a better team. They've played be- like a better team. They've been ridiculous at Lambeau Field, as we mentioned, undefeated. It's Sunday night football under the lights. Four degrees is the supposed forecast. Um I don't really know what other reason there is to pick Minnesota, but there's a, or pick against Minnesota. But there's a lot of reasons to pick for Green Bay here, and I'm going to go with them. All over it, all over it. I'm done betting against the Packers. I won't do it. Aaron Rodgers is just going to win until he doesn't. Um, and it, it, I'm going to wait and see thing at this point because I'm not going to pick against Aaron Rodgers until Aaron Rodgers just doesn't have it anymore. Uh, so I'm going with Green Bay here as well. Interesting game here. Uh, it's an elimination game for both of these teams. Uh, Cleveland versus Pittsburgh. Uh, we've seen the Baker Mayfield thing play out. We know what we're getting from Baker. We've seen the Ben thing play out this year. Kind of know what we're getting from Big Ben. Um <laughs> I just I trust Cleveland. Game. I, I trust game. Cleveland with Chubb and the defense um, a hell of a lot more than I trust the Pittsburgh defense and Big Ben. Uh, I'm taking the Cleveland Browns in this game, but it's an NFC North game, so you know there are going to be at least five injuries and something's going to get really weird. And at least one fight. Oh, there's a there's targeting ejection. Be. Targeting ejection is not like, will there be a targeting ejection? It's like over under second quarter. Yeah, these games are always smash mouth football, which is kind of how it should be with some good classic Midwest action. But um, yeah, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh in this game. I just think at home, uh, they've been actually really impressive. Cleveland has been abhorrent on the road. Um, really bad two and five. Pittsburgh's been an impressive five, two and one. We'll forget about the tie, but uh, five and two in real games. And yeah, I just I'm not I'm just not overly confident in um in what I've seen out of Cleveland so far this season. I get they've sort of been sinking down a little bit, um, but I just like a lot of uh, of what they've done. I get the Steelers' defense has not been great, but and they're allowing 36 points last week. But I think we can all agree that the Kansas City Chiefs' offense is a whole lot better. So um, I think that's pretty safe to say. 
on that end. But yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling decently confident um, here with this game. It's also going to be Ben's last game at Heinz Field, probably. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, yeah. That's the report that's um, coming out. He's done pretty well here, but yeah, I think I think that uh, even though the Steelers are not very great here, I uh, I think they could pull off um, a game here. I know I don't think they're actually favored. Um, I just I think that they could get a bounce back here. I hear you. I hear you. All right. Well, if that is all for you, Jack, that is all on my end. Thank you so much for tuning into the Blanket Coverage Podcast. We are going to be back next week ready to roll, ready to detail uh, a fresh batch of playoff scenarios, a fresh batch of games to recap, and a fresh batch of games to pick as well. Uh, We'll also talk a little bit about the uh, college football playoff because those games are tomorrow getting geared up for that. That's going to be fun. It's going to be big. We are excited. But for now, I'm Noah Parker. And I'm Jack Wallace. Peace out, Joe. Peace out, Joe.